Good evening and welcome to Laugh and Monkey Music. Today we have on Chris Ballou. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. We were talking a little bit before we break the fourth wall. You know, a lot of poo talk, so just kind of gearing up. <laughs> How are poo? <laughs> it's good to see uh, poo. Yeah, you're, you're, so you've already been working in that, that, that mind all day, so I'll probably, I'm behind you. I'm behind poo. I yeah, know. that's see. true. Well, all day. I've been an hour and a half now working on a song called Diamonds in the Poo. So um, I've got poo on the brain. <laughs> Clearly, you've done a lot of different bands. And you have a great history. You do some. You have a couple solo albums out, which are great. Um, Thank you. Cast Cast Review. If you see, you have a ton of music that you produce there, and of <laughs> course, President of the United States. You know that's where I know you from. But on your website, you have a lot of your music on there too. Like, yeah, just downloads, which is incredible because like. It's like, do you not want to make money? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> on a serious note, I mean, serious deal, you have a lot of good music on there. And it's not like it's just like throwaway stuff. You have like two oh, really no. great albums on there that are, and I'm loving Polyphonic right now. That's like my, my, my jam right now. I, I really, I like the, I like the, the melodies. I like, it, it feels like it's, there's some subtle stuff in there that I really, mm -hmm. really dig, you know, and the wordplay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, as far as, selling it i did experiment with that a little bit but and it's you know some of my new albums under my name are mm -hmm. available on apple music and other services where you have to pay but i wanted to have a space uh, besides spotify you know a, a neutral apolitical space where you can get the music yeah. without um, worrying about backlash from your decision i guess um now it just feels like free is the fair price i mean i've i've made my nut with the presidents and Casper. I don't need to charge for the music. So it feels fair. And I really also kind of enjoy money, not ever entering into my creative process these days. Like I've all the work and all the um, sort of experience of the arc of my career has landed me in a place where I'm at the height of my creative powers and um, skill in the studio and all that stuff but also I don't need to charge for it. So it's kind of feels good to, to release financial uh, thoughts from the creative process and just make stuff purely to try to make people feel good. And part of nice. making you feel part of making people feel good is getting it for free. I mean, it's like, you know, having that, that uh, part of the equation removed when possible is a beautiful thing. I don't know, man. I listen to it. I'm like, how's he going to make any money? Is he beating hand sandwich? It's just like, you know, one meal a day, he's got family support. Got to make some money. I'm eating, I'm eating sand sandwiches. There's, I don't even have enough money for ham. Ham. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I, I get, you know, the president's still, the uh, machine still churns money. And Casper Baby Pants is just, doo -doo 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 -doo, just awesome. uh, taking off. Yeah. I'm working on a TV show for that. And there's this player that's from the UK called the Yoto Player, which is a beautiful little standalone elect, um, uh, audio player for kids. It's not connected right. to the internet and they have their little cards and I'm, I'm doing great with that little player thing too. It's catching fire. So Sounds I'm like those, good. What were those things? Uh, the play, like you had these little cards when you were kids, right? You had the record it would play. It was like a little TV. I had one of those and you, the little, yeah. um, the slide projector and you'd put them in. I had like the kind of bonnet Christabel. It was like the go throne is like dark as a dungeon would play. And you, it's like watching a little TV thing. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. A, a modern version of that. It's kind of a modern version. Here, hold on. I'll show you what yeah. it looks like. It's this little, it's this little cool little player with stereo speakers, and you put the cards on the top, and yeah, and it, you it has to hook up to a cell phone, so the parents kind of control the cell phone part. But it's like a way to have a player 
and have a library of music um, that can deal with the internet. You can download stuff on your phone and the parents can and, and buy cards and stuff like that, but you don't have to, and you don't have to right. have a screen. So well, there's the danger cool of that. Of, you have the kids on the internet too. Like, you know, as we were saying, you have, you have kid, younger kids, older kids now, me too. And I think it was weird growing up into it. And I figured, yeah. oh, my kids are going to be so much better at the internet than me. Not so true. Like, I could, <laughs> <laughs> Dad, can you fix my computer still to this day? Like, you know, I'm, I'm IT, but I mean, the point is like, you, you think that the world of technology is going to make everybody like, you know, building robots and it, it didn't mm. happen. They're just surfing on their phones. It's just really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it more really of a person, it's more of a personal revolution. Although, you know, it's a social revolution too, in a lot of ways. I mean, but uh, anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a can of worms. Yeah, we probably want to leave. Well, leave on the shelf in the garage. <laughs> right. It is actually. Um, so one of the best things about you is your songs come across as simple, but as I was saying before, writing a really good, simple song and a good melody and it's catchy can be really hard, especially yeah, it is as hard. much as you do. I mean, yeah, it's funny because lately with my solo stuff I'm doing now, I'm really challenging myself to be simple. Like this song I'm working on had one chord in it. And then I realized I need a couple more chords, but I'm, and like polyphonic, the song you name checked from the second mm-hmm. album, soul unfolded. That's the same chord progression, just over and over and over. I'm right. kind of taking a cue from the passenger by Iggy pop. That's one yep. song where it's like the same, but then how he sings over it and what he does uh, lyrically and melodically is um, and energetically changes, gives it hills and valleys. So I'm really enjoying uh, there's a whole massive chunk of what I'm doing now is how simple can it be? And how can I, I also am kind of coming from, I made ambient music for many years, which is yeah. on my website for free. And I actually downloaded it. Like, that's awesome to fall asleep to. That's just so relaxing. Yeah, it is. I, I use it to do my morning kind of deep breathing routine. And you know, it's funny to listen to mu- music that came from me to reflect on me. <laughs> it's a little solipsistic, but you know, um, I have the opportunity. Super meta. Yeah. But anyway, I was doing this ambient stuff and it's very kind of monotone, but has texture. And I was like, can I marry songwriting to that kind of thing? And so that this solo stuff I'm doing is kind of me experimenting with how, how kind of, um, well, I say it's nap dance music. Like I want people to be able to either nap to it or dance to it. So, or both. You can take it. That's a hard nap to straddle. Yeah, it is like because I know I'm on the right track when I'm listening to a mix and I find myself like nodding off. I'm like, OK, that's good. <laughs> I don't want to be too grabby, too showy these days. I'm, I'm trying to lull people into kind of a trancey groove. So you know, fall asleep, you know, start doing duets with Kenny, Kenny G in the relaxing mode. There. I used to I when when Nevermind came out, uh, I used to put that on on 11 and fall asleep to it. I there's something about like big harmonically rich distortion that makes me just want to go to bed <laughs> i can listen to anything to fall asleep so it doesn't really matter maybe just put something on yeah. to focus on and i'm out um but the other thing that's really interesting is your your choice of instruments and mm-hmm. they have only a couple strings on them yeah some and of them some of I, yeah these days like uh this guy right here is the one i played on the president's debut album yep. It's a Kawhi uh, from the seventies. It's just super. Got it at a pawn shop for seventy five bucks, and, and and you know it rocked. This one is the original two string that Mark Sandman gave me in Boston, but I have it set up as a six string right now because a lot of the new music I'm doing is actually tread tradition, more traditional. This is the Casper Baby Pants guitar behind this lamp. 
Uh, I played 1300 shows with that sucker. That's wow. Casper. And then I've got a, I've got a McCartney bass. I've got, nice. you know, some other sixties stuff. This is the one I played with Beck, uh, when I was touring with Beck. Um, is that the, as, uh, one, one foot in the grave. Is it no one foot? I in did. The yes. Yes. I bought that. My audition was to play slide on that album and I didn't have a slide or a slide guitar. <laughs> and I went to a music store and bought that guitar and this slide and went to Olympia and walked in the studio and went, and he's like, you're hired. <laughs> I really, that's probably one of my favorite Beck albums, actually. I think it's very underrated as far as. Yeah, it's Beck great. It's re- it was really cool to be a fly on the wall when that was coming together. It was very like in the moment, like he didn't want a slick slide guitar player. He just wanted a, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, somebody who could take risks and be inventive and, you know, non-traditional and since i didn't really know how to play slide guitar i was perfect <laughs> Low five. Then i ended up like playing bass and, i ended up playing bass and keyboards and stuff too on uh tour but that was my my intro was the slide guitar but and you say that but there is a certain thing about it and a lot of musicians say well i didn't learn i didn't have the formal training but there is a certain talent innate talent you have in you and most musicians that hop in situations because a lot of people like i don't play slide guitar if i jumped in and played with him it would suck so bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's like, there's a difference of you not knowing and having the natural ability of feeling it out and yeah. just not knowing it. You yeah. Know? So clearly you were discovering a lot of your talents as you were going, you know, modestly, but I'm saying, yeah, you know, it's not just, I think I have a, I generally have an ear toward what is this, what, what atmosphere is the song trying to inhabit and what is the vocabulary of that atmosphere? Like what feels like it fits in there and what doesn't and, and how the, you know, I make choices based on the big picture I'm painting with the song. And it's really, yeah, it's really intuitive. I, I never know, like I'm working on this song today and I'm like, I'm going to try a real chorusy piano, electric piano on this. And then, cause it feels like it might need to be velvety and, oh, that's too velvety. Let me get a, you know, old polyphonic. Velvet Pooh might be the new title. <laughs> Velvet Pooh. I love it. Anything with poo in it. Monkey, then, monkey's poo. Monkey's throat yeah, poo. Monkey, monkey poo will be my spinoff show. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Gross. Anyway, it's a ma- for me, it's a matter of like making uh, small choices based on the big picture. Now, you, you started playing. I, I know that basically you hand me down guitar from family and stuff. And you kind of, I, learned, I know you learned, kind of learned what the chords were, not without knowing what the chords were. Once again, probably intuitive. Right. Did you actually eventually learn the chords and like take lessons or figure out so you know the difference? Because so you play six string, but then you also play two string in the in the conversion of that's not like a natural thing. So the transition is really interesting to me. How you ended up with that? And... Yeah, well, I yeah I started with that guitar that my dad and my sister had kind of been uh, handing back and forth, and it became mine mm-hmm. eventually. But I just went like, oh, these sound good together, and I didn't know, but that was an E and there's G and C and D. Um, and then yeah, later I got a book. Uh, and figured out what that I had found the actual chords um, and six string did me great for a long time. I happened to have a three quarter scale acoustic uh, nylon string guitar at one point in the early nineties. And I broke three of the strings or two of the strings. So I had a four string and out of necessity, I just couldn't afford strings. So I played a four string for a long time and, and then I broke another one and there was a three string and I was like, yeah, okay, this feels good. And then Mark Sandman from morphine, he handed me this red guitar behind me and um, I was at his house. I don't remember how we met or whatever, but I was at his home studio and it was set up as a two string. And when I picked it up and plugged it in, I was just like, yes, I've arrived. So it was kind of like this 
incremental shifting from six string down to two just by the nature of being poor and um, having a friend that played two string guitar. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, he, he ended up a year before he passed away. Uh, he mailed me this guitar with no warning, no heads up. Here comes a package. And it just had a little note in it that said, you are in charge of this now. And, um, so I'm in charge That's of it. Awesome. Did he, I don't, I don't know how he passed. Was that like, he, did he know he was sick or something? Just sent it to you? Cool no, no, he did not know at all. He, uh, passed away on stage live in Italy, um, about five songs into a set counted in a song had a massive heart attack and passed away right there a lot of people say they want to die on a stage but that doesn't really happen to a lot of people it's uh i mean i i would i am not happy that mark is gone or i wish mark was around all the time uh most every day when i see this guitar and he was kind of my musical father he like allowed me we had a band together and he allowed me to be this goofball while he was kind of this you know like a tent anchor cool yeah. yeah um but his life he I, you know he he cultivated a mystique about himself and a storied kind of aura about yeah. this mark sandman guy and to have him die on stage like that to pass away that way is i don't know it just sort of is like another chapter in this it feels story life you know yeah it's legendary you're right it has a legend but um boy i wish he was around I think, what would he do with computers? Woo! It is a loss. Um, is it harder or easier, or is it a little of each, writing and playing it? Because it's like, you know, let me step back for a minute. When someone plays ukulele, like my kids play, I've got some here, but my kids have played, I haven't ventured really playing it. It feels like mm. you can really set every song, if you're a mediocre player at that instrument, it's going to sound the same. Pretty much, it sounds twangy. But you get somebody, and I've had like Jake uh, Schubert on, that knows what they're doing. It doesn't sound like ukulele at all. Every song is totally different because it's about the mm. nuances and the finesse that you usually don't get unless you're really good. Mm. But I see you playing two and three string, and I've gone actually online and watch other people. And I'm like thinking, it feels like it's kind of got to be the same thing. Like it just can't be that easy. Like, you know, you can make a couple of chords, but it's not, you know. Yeah, it there's a there's dimensions to it. Uh, it. For me, playing two string and three string is a lot about rhythm, and I'm definitely a rhythm guitarist. I, you know, I can I can hack away at a, I can do a lead here and there, but they I generally end up kind of writing my leads to be melodic, mm-hmm. like the Beatles did. You know, they a lead was especially in the early days, a lead was a real melodic part that was a gift of melody that was not right. the you know main melody. But anyway. I just find that the three string and the two string kind of really promote rhythm. I love playing this guitar, the Casper baby pants guitar. Cause I could do, it was a three, it's a three string. I can do sevenths and minors and diminished and augmented chords and all that stuff. Um, jazzy chords. Uh, and I kept on discovering new ways to do chords. When I did those Beatles cover albums actually with that guitar, it was super fun to figure out like, okay, there's a big complex chord here. What are the important three notes? And how do I translate it to the fretboard? So it was a challenge. So yeah, there's definitely dimensions of complexity uh, that are different uh, with fewer strings. It's, you know, you can just put one finger across and do essentially what a bar chord does and be playing immediately. But then there's, there's a lot of subtlety awaiting you if you right. want to dive in. But if you listen to even say, more people understand this would be the, the presence when you're doing anything, you know, 
you know, even like with, with peaches or, or boiva, there's a certain jam you have and the way you pronounce mm. words and you, you really have a, there's like so many different dimensions that you think you only had a couple strings, <laughs> three guys. It five feels like there's a five lot strings, on. three guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. it feels like there's so much going on. It's a very, not that in particular, I know it's a big hit, it's easy, but for purpose of the conversation, it's very smart. There's a lot of really good like pieces in that that you break down the way you say things and your, your tone changes and, and the way the instrumentation changes. It's, you know, and I think the production's really good too on that album or actually any of them. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's very weird. The production, if you listen to it in the context of everything else that was out at the time, it's, it's such a bizarre, but that matches the lyrical content and the fact that we're playing these weird instruments. The recording is weird. The whole thing's this like planet. Uh, it's a, you know, complete thought planet that you can uh, land your rocket ship on if you want to. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it's fun. You know, Dave Dieterer, the three string git bass player in the presidents. I did two string. He did three string. Um, he's a great musician and, a major reason he was somebody that I kept uh, collaborating with over the years is he just has a deep pocket of skills on guitar and he's a six string player. I mean, he can really, really work a six string. And I figured, well, let's take all that expertise and put it on a, and hog time with a three string and see what weird choices come out of that, you know? And he loved it. He dug right in. So at some point in 1996, though, he started playing live with the presidents with a six string. He started sneaking a six string back in. Cause I think he got a little like, you know, there's all these voicings I can't, yeah. you know, do. And I want, I want to stretch. So, but um, yeah. You know, at the time we were, again, we were just making choices that were made us laugh and were funny. And um, uh, so, you know, I think uh, there's, there's intent and artistry involved, but there's also just like, what's funny. <laughs> well, it's fun. It's fun in a way. Like it's fun in the way, um, like the example would be like the music is serious, but, but not serious, but serious and fun. You know what I mean? Right. But it's yeah. also, you can't take yourself too seriously either, you know? but the music right. stands up for itself it's smart music you know you're like i was thought you, you, you're not gonna be totally wrong Listen no to no it's, it's, it's true my, my, we, yeah. we used to talk about it in terms of uh caring deeply while appearing to not care at all it's like behind yeah. the scenes in the, in the rehearsal space we worked hard and we knew that if we were going to be silly we also had to be tight and good because if you're silly and not that good live especially um yep. you know there, then there's nothing for people to hold on to and yeah there was enough like levity mixed with darkness i mean there i in the years previous to the presidents i was writing a lot of dark grungy you know uh mm -hmm. sad heavy songs and so there's still like this heavy sprinkle on the hilarity so yeah we mixed the light and the dark the 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 like um, caring and not caring, right. all that stuff kind of. I thought it was a perfect storm because I'm a big fan of rock, but one of the things when, when grunge came in and I liked a lot of the grunge bands too, but you know, it got really sad and like, I don't always want to be sad all the time. Mm -hmm. So you guys came in, you kind of had a balance where you could still have fun. You know, it's like, we're going to rock your pants off if it's okay with you. Like you guys are <laughs> <laughs> politely going to do it if it's okay. But you know what I'm saying? It was, yeah, it was yeah. out there and you can just have fun and still have good music. Um, yeah, which... yeah. Yeah, there was another, there was a dynamic too that I um, was kind of purpose, was not really aware of 
back then, but in retrospect, to become aware of, especially when we reformed and got back together, which is that we were like in the beginning, <clears throat> we were this tiny little band that was trying to rock, you know, and the mm -hmm. fact that we had two and three string guitars and we were little guys and little drum set, no cymbals, little splash, tiny hi-hat, um, like look at the, i think the audience inside anyway somewhere was like look at those little dorks trying to rock out look, isn't that cute i want to put them in my pocket those little dorks um and then we became big and famous or whatever you know famish as i like to say it's like the experience of being famous but without all the right. other all the bad stuff um and we had to stand up in front of 50,000 people on a racetrack in Germany and crank up the machine and deliver the hits and all that stuff. And you couldn't like interact because they're a hundred feet away across a barrier. Weird. So we became a rock band. And then for me, and I didn't realize it at the time, but at the time I was, you know, back then I was like, something's not, something's we missed, we've lost a dimension here of irony yeah. or something. And, um, I could smell it, but I couldn't name it. <laughs> so I figured it, I figured it out later, but yeah. Another thing about that band that is important is the chemistry between innocence and innuendo. We have this like, you know, innocent little guys singing songs, but then peaches is a pretty sexually charged song and kitty and what right. is lump anyway. And there's this like kind of, uh, you know, skewed poetry going on that people couldn't quite decode and figure out. Um, so that helped too, you know, it was kind of this like innocent planet with a uh, outer shell of sexual innuendo that was kind of making the friction. And then when I started playing the Casper stuff, I realized, oh, I'm going to take the, the innuendo part off the planet and just be the innocent core. And Good just call. be silly. Good call on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was really... That's when I realized, oh, that's what was making me feel weird and uncomfortable. I didn't have a handle as a songwriter on that chemistry back then. And I didn't know what that chemistry was back then. Um, so, yeah, removing the adult part of it and just keeping mm -hmm. the innocent part made me realize, oh, that's what made the presidents go. Okay. Or another aspect of what made it go. So, yeah, that was enlightening. When did you guys stop playing then? Then you started doing Casper right afterwards, right? Well, we did. We were together from, let's say, uh, late 93 to early 98. And then we were apart for five years. And then the New Year's Eve 2002, we got together. So the end of 2002 until summer of 2015. So um, and then in the middle there, those five years, we did a band with Sir Mix-a-Lot. We made a record that we just did in the studio with six string guitars and four string basses. Um, so we did stuff and we toured a little bit with mix a lot and, and stuff like that. Are you guys done? Oh yeah, done. we're definitely done. We, we, we quietly, we made a big deal out of breaking up in 98. And so we just quietly turned off the lights in 2015. Yeah. Never know. I, I always say it's like, more, yeah, more, yeah. We, we're talking with the Beatles more, not even about anybody else. If you guys have a chemistry, the three of you guys can quietly go off to the garage and jam once in a while, have fun. Like there's still that connection without needing everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I've kind of landed in a place now where I'm really into what I was into in the early eighties, synthesizers, guitars, um, drum loops, drum machines. And I'm doing this new music and I'm kind of like, I've come way full circle. I'm actually finishing some songs that I wrote in like 1981, 82 <laughs> that I 
recorded back then horribly with two two boom boxes back and forth and a fake english accent that i thought made me sound super new wave but um i'm finishing so the 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 uh palette of a rock band doesn't really do it for me right now i'm definitely a follow my intuition person which is means i'm always going to be doing something fresh and new and challenging myself but it also means i'm not going to be consistent um and you know i've come to realize during the pandemic not playing live uh there's a bunch of stuff i do not miss about playing live i don't quite miss the repetition you know like i wrote a song and now i have to play it a thousand times i like i like writing a song and then being like you know it's like a painting or a sculpture like oh that's done i'm not gonna do that 500 more times so um anyway it's interesting some don't though you I mean it's really weird to be like i don't know I've never had my own stuff out there not to do it, but you know, playing in cover bands, you're like, all right, it's fun. I should do something different. Like, or doing some songs after a while, I get bored. But yeah. for me, I think I would get bored. Yeah. But then I've never had a big hit. So the thing <laughs> is, it's like it's like playing a round of golf. Like every nine, every 10 holes, you hit a perfect shot. And so the thing that keeps you going back to playing live is those those moments where like all this infrastructure comes together and there's people and you're just like, you know, you just like dissolve and become this big one big thing. And those moments are enticing enough to make you slog through the 97% of boredom and travel and eating terrible and not sleeping right and being out of tune and repeating your songs and missing your family and sleeping in weird hotel rooms and, you know, on and on and on. So anyway, that be, that but I'm, I'm giving that a total break. I'm considering myself retired from performing for now and uh, enjoying the studio a lot. So you won't even play, you play at all with your, your, your solo stuff? Like, just like... No, no, I, I, it just sounds really daunting. <laughs> I, you know, it just sounds like, eh, ugh, ugh. yeah, uh, you know, it's, it just sounds like a thing that would sit on my to-do list for months, like really? figure out how to play live. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't want to, you know, and I may want to never say never. I'm following my nose, my creative nothing, nose. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. I think artists should do what they want, where they get back together. They don't get together. They have secret jams for fun. They don't release anything. It's it's everyone does what they need to as an artist. I support that. Just yeah. kind of curious where you're going, because you have so much different stuff you kind of do. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. you know, when I mean, you toured a lot with, with Casper Baby Pants, how was that? I mean, because you didn't have to do the rock life. So you could a little more family oriented on your touring. So it was yeah, but, but those little kids, man, they're like drunk punk rockers. I mean, they say the weirdest things. They do the weirdest things. The ga- shows are unpredictable in some ways dangerous because they're crawling all over me. Um, I ended up playing a lot of theaters and stuff. Cause I was like, I can't deal with kids tipping over my music stand and unplugging my amp. <laughs> like it's more punk rock when it's firing on all cylinders. It's more punk rock than a punk rock show. It's kind of amazing. And that was really fun because I was back to my DIY roots. So I wasn't relying on a record label and tour support and, you know, all the stuff that you get with a major label um, or being in a, you know, a rock band with adults. So I was booking my own shows, um, you know, advancing them, driving to them, being the loader, the sound guy, the performer, the merch guy um doing the accounting the record label all that stuff so uh yeah it it felt really good to to flex those diy roots again and do it myself so a lot of shows too i did 1247 shows 
wow. in 10 years or eight years, I guess. I didn't really perform that consistently for the first couple of years, but yeah, wow. 8,000, uh, 1,247 shows, 352 songs, 19 albums in 10 years. Those are my stats. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I was doing a couple albums a year and with this new stuff I'm doing under my name, I'm doing two a year. I'm doing a July and a January release for the foreseeable future. So I've got two out and another one in the can and working on the fourth one now. So yeah, I'm trying to catch those darn Beatles. You'll get them. I'll get them. Okay. I have in you. You'll get them. Um, I guess really the last thing I'm going to ask you about is songwriting. Like, mm. because you have different instruments, and you play different instruments, you also, you're very good with melodies and you're fun with lyrics and, and tongue in cheek. And this is more of your adult band. When you, when you were doing songs, is it like, you know, you have a guitar in one of the rooms in your house, you kind of, is you just noodling, you know, you get a melody, are you just kind of just, are you the kind of guy who goes in, I'm going to woodshed and see what comes up every day. Eventually do it enough, you get a song. It's kind of all of the above. You know, it's always different. Um, there's many ways I record fragments onto my phone and then I'll walk around outside in the woods with my earbuds in and listen to them and wait for something to go. Oh, ping. That's interesting. Yeah. That's how Lump came about. Lump was on a little micro cassette player. I don't remember making the initial thing up, but I heard it and I went, hmm, what's that? So there's that way of kind of cueing myself and, and uh, filtering out the dead wood by just waiting for uh, the response like uh, that someone else might have right. if they hear it. There's also, yeah, wood, I'll just sit at the piano and play. Like sometimes I just sit down, turn on the piano and pick a weird chord and play it. And several songs have come out of that. Like, ooh, what's that? And where does that go? It's all different, man. Some are concepts like this one. I'm working on Diamonds in the Poo. I talk about that as a concept as far as, uh, you know, like, why do some bands make it and some bands don't? And why are, you know, some ideas better than others? Or, you know, why does the cream rise to the top? What, what, what's, you know, is it a... Is it a diamond in a poo? <laughs> it's like, or like when you hunt for something or, or you're looking for a solution, it's like finding a diamond in a poo. Um, so I'm kind of working on the song. And that just started out as an idea, uh, you know, that I've talked about before. Anyway, so they're all over the map. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, uh, at the end of the day, I'll pour myself a little vodka drink and I'll sit in the sunshine on the couch with that same acoustic that I learned on and just vibe on the sunset with a little booze in my body and just that generates quite a few ideas. So yeah, they're all over the map, but a lot of the ideas for my solo stuff, the cornerstone of them all is this vocabulary about self-awareness, about consciousness, about the universe, quantum physics, spirituality, um, you know, enlightenment. I'm, I've been for about 10 years kind of um, doing uh, daily practice, meditation, that kind of stuff. And uh, lately, in the last few years, listening to a lot of Ram Dass lectures, he's my favorite. Uh, I think he's my guru. He's amazing. Uh, he's got this very human, he's almost like an existential stand-up comedian. He's so good. Um, he's very human. He's very spiritual. And he allows both. And, I'll have to check him out. I haven't. Yeah. Ram Dass, highly recommend. I kind of feel like I'm growing into be the George Harrison of the group. <laughs> of very much group. of my own group. <laughs> yeah. Some days I'm the McCartney, some days I'm the Lennon. I'm very rarely the Ringo. Yeah. But sometimes the Yoko. (laughs) (laughs) 
break your own band up. Yeah. Well, wait a minute though. I'll tell you what I have right here. <laughs> I am the Yoko because I am a massive Yoko fan of her art, her drawings and her writings. Top notch, really great stuff. Like uh, it all takes place in your mind. I have both of her books, Grapefruit and Acorn, and I keep them right here in the studio for inspiration. So Yoko's around. Big Yoko fan. Good. Not, it's not so much the vocalizations, but the drawings and the writings. Yeah, that's, that's the hard part. I, I, I always appreciate any artist that wants to do something very creative, even if it's not what everybody wants to hear, or even if I like it. I can still mm. respect that. Just can't yeah. listen to it. Just can't listen yeah. to it. Yeah, that's, that's a trick. You know, as I make this solo stuff, uh, a lot of it came out of not having had a distortion pl- pedal plugged in for 10 years while I did Casper. And I plugged in a distortion pedal and went, oh my God, I forgot about this. This is incredible. And then I wanted to put distortion on everything. And ultimately it made the music a little difficult, you know, and I had to then back off and realize, okay, I'm in service to other people. I'm not just in service to myself. I really want this stuff. Well, yeah, but that's, that's me. I'm as a songwriter, I want to be generous. I want to give people melodies and uh phrases and fragments that they can walk down the street without the song and and sing in their heads or whistle or sing out loud so i don't want to coat that in too much self-indulgence you know so i have to kind of temper my i like to temper my self-indulgence with the idea of being in service to the listener which i guess being in service to yourself because that's how you feel you want the song to be so it really goes back yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. yourself, your own rules, which is good. I think, yeah. and I think that's what that with your lyrics. I like that they are very introspective on your on your solo stuff. I say solo, yeah, and I, you know, you know, your newer stuff now. That's I mean, it's very yeah, the, you're thinking about stuff when you listen to it. You know, yeah, yeah, and I, I'm enjoying writing songs now with abstract lyrics. You know, uh, a lot of my lyrics are very narrative before and very kind of uh, cohesive and paint a picture. Especially the Casper stuff I was always about the story and the thread and the image. Oh yeah. And now I'm really just like playing with words and I've got this list on my wall of, uh, of words that I like uh, that inspire me like binaural, clouds, molecular, spectrum, wing, mono, stereo, melodic, intergalactic, gigantic, asteroid, orbit, radio, multicellular. <laughs> They're like sort of uh, keywords that I just like, because a lot of times when I make a piece of music, yeah. I don't have words yet. And I just riff and I just sit here on the mic and look at that list and go like moonwalk, zero gravity, particle symphony, particle symphony. That's a good one. So, anyway. you know, it, it, I, I always appreciate when you have a really good lyric and a word is really kind of hard to say, like I just said the other day um, with, with what's going on in the war with uh, Sting's uh, Russian song is out. But when he talks about using the word of Oppenheimer as a lyric in a song melodically, yeah. To me, I'm like, well, that's really good. Like as a songwriting thing, using the word opera high Oppenheimer as a yeah. lyric. It's nothing you would yeah. do but just roll off your tongue in a pop song. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I haven't heard that song, but maybe I'll, I'll check it out after this. Yeah, I want to hear the word. He sings Russians and he sings Oppenheimer's toys or Oppenheimer's little toys or something toys. But the way he sings it, you're like, do you just sing about Oppenheimer? Like that is just nothing you hear in a sting pop song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny because I'm also struggling with the word poo, like we talked about before we went live. Um, yeah, poo is a hard word to sing because it, I can't it's hard to say that... you got it in a can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky one. I'm working on it. So I'm going to crack the code. 
people will look at this in the future and go, oh, that's he's that's the first time he talked about the song Diamonds in the Pooh, the massive hit, Diamonds in the Pooh. It could be, though. We've, <laughs> we've seen, I think we've seen everything nowadays. It could be the hit. Could be. Well, that's one thing that I loved about the Casper thing is I, I didn't feel like I was in the hit world anymore. Like there were no such thing as hits in kids' music. There's no such it thing was, as hits anyhow. Was, what's that? There's no such thing as hits anyhow nowadays. Um, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Not I mean, like we used to do. Like, you know, there's songs and you, you could work it and everything else. You yeah. Know, not Now it's like, it is, it's like algorithms and people that have an Instagram account, but can't fill a club. It's just weird numbers that, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same as when I listened to Casey Kasem on this radio when I was a That's kid. Right. Man. Wow. Man. And the claims are. Unfortunately, AM radio is a lot of, uh, a lot of wacky talk radio and sports and I, yeah. I cannot find a top 40 song uh, station on am radio anymore so yeah but i miss uh, yeah i know what you mean the, the bottleneck used to be so narrow and the ways we communicated mm-hmm. were so limited and controlled that we could all experience star wars at the same time or all right. experience saturday night fever at the same time and um different yeah and, you know, but, yeah, it's but different even, but even the 80s with all different pop styles were all very different. And that yeah. was kind of refreshing. And that was like one of the things I think that helped you as a band, because you guys were very different with pop mm-hmm. sensibilities, but you still had the rock and you still fit in the genre of when that was exploding. It was on everybody's minds. You had enough to be one leg in there, but you had a lot of that fun stuff that I felt to me recognized from like the 80s, which was yeah, like, like um, you saw you stole a good melody. You didn't take yourself too serious. It was kind of every, every song was different. You're like, why do you think of that? Like, I wouldn't have thought of that. Like, cool. I can think yeah. of a lot of things, you know. And, and well, that's coming that a lot of that's coming from the Beatles because of Sgt. Pepper's because Sgt. Pepper right. is such a kaleidoscope of styles. And I love that record. I listened to it when it came out in 1967, when I was two and a half, I just like yeah. glommed onto that record. So that's a lot of why the presidents and my, to some degree, all my music is about genre hopping because they were. It's good. So and, I'm going to wrap this up. So with your soul stuff, are you, are you just, are you still going to do Captain Baby Pants stuff too, right? No, no, I'm done. I'm done. Casper's done? retired. Yep. Retired. 19 albums. You're not going to do an even 20? 19 is the number, indie. man. Wow. No, 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 19, the average age. And then the 19. Um, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> that's a cultural reference. I respect I respect the 19. I was just harassing you about it. Yeah, no, 19 is where I ran out of gas. I actually made three records before the pandemic at the same time because I was so on fire with writing and recording. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to finish them. And then the pandemic hit. So I parsed them out over the pandemic. And then yeah. during that, that time, I transitioned into my new style. And I literally, I, I have thousands of scraps of songs and I scraped through that entire 5,000 fragment library to find anything that might be a Casper song. So I've done, I've like, squozing the 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 casper rag dry um yeah and i think oh my gosh 19 records i mean if you need more than that you have a serious i'm saying to people (laughs) if you need more than 19 records in it from one artist you need to look at yourself and figure out what's wrong with you (laughs) children's albums really you know yeah (laughs) a certain point where um no i'm glad i enjoy enjoy your soul stuff and hopefully that'll keep up for a while here you're well oh it will yeah i've got I've got a what's almost 80 songs here that are unreleased that are toddling towards completion. So some of them got to be good. (laughs) Are any of them going to be like heavier rock? Are you open-minded to doing everything now? 
Uh, some of them are heavy. Yeah. I'm kind of right now. I'm kind of into like pretty stuff. I'm into, um, I was playing this song over and I just, I'll play this song like four times a day. And, uh, I've really been enjoying the, the classic seventies, um, chord. The long and winding poo. The long and winding poo. Every time you play those chords, it's like, you know, uh, I don't know. Sally in the city was recorded in front of a live studio audience. (laughs) Sally in the city. I love that show. Sally in the city was recorded in front of a live studio audience. You need your own radio show. You need to be your own AM show. That's what you need to do. (laughs) I do. I do. I need to be the new Casey Kasem. Uh, That'd be be hilarious. You could do that. Great. This is awesome. I'm going to, as I always do with everybody, you know, go watch the show. I put all your links underneath the podcast and on the YouTube so you can check it out. And if you think of other shows and other things you want me to, our artists, uh, our guests to check out, if you and you send them over to me, we'll put them on there. I know, I know your, your, uh, okay. your wife's actually a, a very talented artist too. So um, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was there'd be no, too. Yeah. There'd be no Casper baby pants without her. She really inspired me to, to embrace my innocent silly side uh completely so yeah, so, yeah. big props maybe, to kate endel maybe throw some pearl over the two i was looking at it's very talented i, I appreciate it so it's very cool.